On the Marriage Podcast for Smart People, we don't often talk about parenting, but when it's impacting your marriage, then it's our business. Welcome to the Only You Forever Podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 101. Still neat to be in the triple digits, hey? Mm-hmm. And we are going to be talking about the situation where you're always fighting about the kids, but you really would like to stop. So hopefully today we can help move you toward that goal. Yeah, last week we celebrated our 100th episode and we talked about our journey. We're pretty open with some of the struggles we faced for Linda in our own marriage with the strain of growing this business together. So if you're listening today, you missed that. Be sure to go back and grab that show. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player on your phone so you don't miss any shows from our podcast. Mm Hmm. So today we have this topic that comes up, fighting over kids. It can be a very common source of marital conflict. It is. Yeah. Parenting issues, right? Yeah. So we thought we should take it on. It's common, but it's also really frustrating. It'd be really tough wreck to get out of, like we've been here too. Yes. And I think that the additional kind of part on this that makes it really sucky is that disagreements on child rearing can actually have a negative effect on our children's well-being. And it's, so it's not just a source of conflict between us mm. as a couple or between our listeners as couples, but also can put a lot of burden on the children as well. Yeah. It's not just affecting two people. Yeah. So it's, it's a bigger, it's a big deal. Yeah. So we want to start with showing you how to give a united front when you're parenting. And this is something folks want to do. It's something that we want to do. It's hard to do. Yeah, when you're fighting about it. <laughs> you're fighting about it, right? So, yeah. so we, want to, we want to try to make this happen. Now, the research has shown that children react to incongruent parenting styles. In other words, that's research language for saying when they don't see that united front, they yeah. can react to that in various ways, such as they can actually experience anxiety, depression, aggression, and rule breaking. So that's yeah. from a study in 2012, just because of the conflicting styles of parenting. Wow. They're not matching. And so results from the same study showed that when children perceived high levels of dissimilarity between maternal and paternal parenting, that had a negative effect on the child's emotional and behavioral well-being. Okay. So similarity is better. And this really kind of shows the importance of parents working together in the face of child-rearing disagreements to display that united, that congruent front to their children. Now, on this note, like kids are way smarter than, than we think they are. Way smarter. <laughs> Even babies. Yes. They're, yeah. us- they're using those little brains way sooner than we think they are. Yeah. And they're picking up on these parenting differences. And, you know, even before they can talk or even walk, it kind of, even the Pavlov's dog thing where you ring the bell and the, the dog drools, remember that conditioning yeah. thing? Yeah. Like that con- operant conditioning, that's happening in little babies. So we're conditioning them by our parenting styles. Yeah. And then they kind of end up training us back. Yeah. <laughs> like they know what they can get away with mom or not with dad or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we get what we're doing here. Like we're, we're saying, okay, this is a problem if you don't have this united front and we're telling you need one, but this is exactly the issue that you know you have, which is... You don't have one. You don't have one. So <laughs> we're going to try and put some legs on this for you and help you with this. Now, okay. what I found working with couples in this situation, and I even remember working with a premarital couple once they didn't have kids yet, but this was an issue for them around a particular topic. And they had this, she was from a very liberal family. He was from a very conservative one. And it was like, they could never possibly see the idea of being on the same page about kids because they felt their values were so far apart. They just couldn't overlap them at all. Yeah. 
So I did this exercise with them that I'm going to share with you, and I want to take our listeners through this as well, and it helps. It helped this couple. I think it'll help you as our listeners as well. Okay. So this is from Dr. Gottman. It's called Flexible versus Inflexible Areas. And all you need to do is take a blank sheet of paper, unlined if you can. Now, if you're driving or working out, just imagine one in your head. And on that piece of paper, draw a large oval, as big as you can, but still fits on the sheet of paper. Or a circle. <laughs> <laughs> and in in the corner or down in one area of that oval, inside the oval, I also want you to draw a small circle, like the, the size of the biggest coin in your currency, say. In the middle. Why? Because then you're using, well, I'm going to give away the whole thing now, but then you're using like all this stuff to protect it. Okay. Draw it in the middle. I see where you're going. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So in the small circle, I want you to write two words, inflexible area. Okay. And in the large circle, write two words, flexible area. Okay. Okay. So the big one is the flexible area. The little one is your inflexible area. And now we're just going to use this conceptually because when you're disagreeing with your spouse, ultimately all of the content of your disagreement falls into one of these circles. And the flexible area is all the little reasons you give, but at the end of the day, you'd be willing to compromise on them. You could flex on them. Right. The inflexible area is, is kind of the real core. That's the essential thing that you're trying to protect. This is something that you really cannot and you will not budge on. Okay. So let me now explain why people never get to the bottom of their parenting arguments. It's because they only, they hash out the details of this flexible area. Over and over. And they act like it's inflexible. Oh, yeah. And they try to make that flexible area, the things that they would compromise on as large as possible. And what they're trying to do is they're really trying to protect the inflexible area in the middle. They're trying to make it as impenetrable as possible. Like these are the walls of the fortress that protect you from getting to like the crown jewels in the very center. Okay. So I'm going to keep you as far away from those as I possibly can. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what happens is couples don't talk about the inflexible area. And that's the one area they do need to really talk about because that's the mm -hmm. one central value that they cannot shift on. Right. Okay. Okay. Or, you know, the other thing they do, like I said, is, is they take that little coin-sized inflexible area and they move it right out to the edges of the flexible area and they make it look like the whole thing is not going to move. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. And this is why it gets completely stuck and we sometimes we even come across as unreasonable. Because we have so many demands or... Yes. And we're just trying to protect this core. Okay. Now, if you want to start working together instead of against each other, you have to bring the absolute core of that inflexible area out into the light and you have to share that with your spouse. And that's saying something mm. like, you know what? I'm actually willing to be flexible in all sorts of things, but this is the one thing I cannot see myself compromising on. And you tell your spouse why. Yeah. It's probably something from your childhood or it's, or it's a deeply held value or belief that informs this inflexible area. And usually what I find, Verlinda, is when I'm working with couples, when we get down to this area, yeah, it's virtuous. Even though they may not actually share it between them, there's something good about that. Like they want to oh, okay. protect something that's valuable or hold on to something that's precious. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. there's, there's usually something good about it. Okay. And that's easier to embrace than you know, a whole pile of unreasonableness. Or... All the walls and defense yeah. around it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And here's the key for couples is it seems like, like you're probably thinking like, what if we have some things that we can never reconcile on? Yeah. Okay. And we're going to talk about one that you and I have that we've never reconciled on. Yeah. But the deal is you don't actually have to end up agreeing on those core things as long as you can find a way to honor them in each other. Right. Okay. So the fact that you will never agree on them is not to necessarily to the detriment of your marriage or to your parenting. It doesn't mean you're, mm, you're hooped. That's not 
the deal breaker. Kind no, of thing. it's not. It's how you honor the other one. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. So if you see what I did there, now instead of fighting about the kids, you said what is super important to you because you shared this inflexible area and you're working together on honoring that part for each other. Get that? You're, you're working yeah. together now yeah. instead of against. And that's really critical. You have to honor this inflexible area that your spouse has and it should be a value or a dream or a goal, something virtuous, right? Yeah. So what in that though, you know, if I expect you to honor my inflexible area, I need to be realistic about my inflexible area. You need to, in I need what to, way? I need to get what is flexible outside of my little circle. You want to make it as small as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And just go down to know this is actually what's important. It's not these 50 other things. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about a couple of examples beforehand, right? Yeah. So we both have an inflexible area where we believe that parents should be respected. Like we believe yes. that respect is a really important thing to teach children. Yes. Now, what we've noticed in our marriage though, and we're going to start with a similar one and then we're going to start with a, a dis- <laughs> one that we don't align on. Okay. Okay. What we've noticed in our, our parenting and in our marriage is that what respect looks like yes. in day-to-day interactions is different. So what was respect in your family of origin versus what was respect in my family of origin, they don't look the same. No, not at all. And so as we now have to parent with this different viewpoint, mm-hmm. what we've come to understand is that at the end of the day, we both want the same core thing. Yes, And then we've moved out into the flexible area, all the definitions of what respect looks like. Yeah. And that pretty much, I think, for Linda, looks like us both expecting or accepting each other's standards, like embracing both. Yeah. We kind of met somewhere in the middle even on that. I think it's almost more like merging, not even compromising. Yeah, yeah. And sort of embracing all of those definitions of what looks good or what doesn't look good in order to make sure that we end up teaching this one core value to the children. Yeah. Okay. I, I respect. That. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah. Okay. Now we've talked about this on the podcast before. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember when, but one thing that we have never agreed on is Halloween. Right. And so I have this deep core value that it's linked with evil and I just will not allow my family to participate in that. Mm-hmm. And that's very inflexible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you, <laughs> really? in your, yeah. <laughs> And in your family of origin... It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. Like not in the slightest. And just to put this in perspective, like I think I have more respect for the spiritual values of your family than my own family of origin. So it's not like you guys were like the kind of liberal left wingers or anything. No. So we went back and forth on this for years. Yes. And, And where we're at now is we've really narrowed that center down as much as we can. Okay, so what's your inflexible area again? We talked about this. Well, I just... It's like... I don't want my kids seen as the weirdo or labeled as the weirdo because I won't let them do something fun that all the other kids are doing. Right. Which I don't see any harm in. Right. Whereas you do see harm in it. Right. And so how we've figured out how to honor that part Mm -hmm. that has never aligned and looks like it's probably never gonna Mm -hmm. is we make Halloween a special day where we go do something else. So the, the kids have... No, we make October 31st a family fun day. We wow. don't make Halloween. From what I we don't said. make Halloween anything. Well, that's October thirty first. Right. Oh, but you're saying the date. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, because you're making it sound like we make Halloween into something, whereas no, we don't do Halloween. We don't acknowledge Halloween. We, we do October thirty first, and we make it a better day than Halloween is for most kids. Yeah. For our kids. For our kids. Yeah. And we'll pull them out of school and go do something. Yes. And so hopefully that serves as a little bit of an example for our listeners of how we kind of really got down to the core issues. Like I'm not against, so 
if I was to do this the wrong way, I'd be like, we're not celebrating anything. We're not having any fun. We're not doing anything special. We're not whatever. But at the yeah. end of the day, I had to realize I just really don't want anything to do with Halloween. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for yourself, it's, you know, it's really identifying. I really just want the kids to not be the weirdos that are excluded from what I think is normal. Yeah. So let's do something else instead. Yeah. So instead of insisting that they do Halloween and me insisting that they do absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. we identified those little inflexible areas, mm-hmm. got all the flexible junk out of the way and said, okay, let's make something better out of this that we can honor each other. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the marriage part of it, like we're not telling people what they need to think about Halloween here. No. We're just trying to give an example of yes. two different inflexible areas and how we had to overlap our flexible areas and how to we, honor both of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's good. You know, there's a Bible verse in Amos that says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? And this, this is the agreement. Yeah. It's not to hold the exact same value or inflexible area, but just to agree to honor each of your respective values. Yes, precisely. Do you think we covered that? Okay. I think we've kind of hashed it to death. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's the second time we've recorded that section. Our <laughs> listeners may not know that. No. Will not know that. Well, now they do. You just told them. Yeah. Well, it's hard It's hard to sort these things out and articulate them. But this is the part that you want to talk about is to really get to those core issues, right? Yeah. Now, so that's your flexible, inflexible area. So take that and just bring to it something that you and your, your spouse are disagreeing on and really start to write in those two circles where stuff falls, flexible yeah. versus inflexible, yeah. and see if you can make that inflexible part as small as you can, and then bring those sheets to each other and say, hey, can you honor this? Can we figure out a way to mm-hmm. give this to each other? Yeah. And you're not making it as small as you can to throw all your values out the window, the rest of your values out the window, right. but you're just doing it to say, you know, this is what is so important in this situation. Yeah. How can we work with this and work with yours yes. to honor both of them? It's really making yourself more vulnerable, which allows you to be more intimate. Yeah, which allows your spouse to get closer. They're not banging into all yes. these inflexibles. Yes. So that's the first strategy. Now, the second thing is I want to talk about detriangulation. So okay. triangles, I love triangles. Mm-hmm. So again, instead of circles or ovals this time, we're going to talk about triangles. Okay. And a triangle has three points when you're parenting. It has you, your spouse, and your child, typically. Okay. So, you know, if you have three children like we do or whatever many children, but if you have three, you have three possibilities for that third point in the triangle. Right. Okay. But this is how families work all the time is that there's all these triangles that are, that are going on. There's always three people involved. Okay. Okay. Now just follow with me here as I think through the shape of this triangle. So the line between each point, that's the leg of the triangle Mm -hmm. for each leg. That length is how close you are relationally to that person. So if I'm close to you when I'm drawing our triangle, that'll be a short leg. Oh, okay. If, okay. if we're not close, if we repel, it's a long leg. Now, families and kids do this all the time. They figure out that dad is more relaxed about curfew. So they align oh, with... on here. This is just an example. Families and kids don't have to do this all the time. Yes. They do triangles all the time. Okay. Okay. This is an example. It doesn't have to be this example. Okay. So let's say that the child aligns with dad on the curfew and they try to estrange mom to push her away and exclude her. Mm-hmm. So they got this little coalition going on with dad because they want no curfew and he's relaxed about curfew and mom's tight on it. And they try to kind of push mom back to reduce her power and influence on what they want to achieve. Okay. Okay. So in those moments, they're really just selfishly motivated to be close to dad. Now let's just say that dad, he's at work a lot and he feels guilty about how much he works. And so he likes the closeness that he gets out of that and that feeling of affiliation that comes with that little power Mm -hmm. coalition that's going on. 
and he doesn't even see what's happening. Yeah, so he sides with the child against mom because it relieves some of his daddy guilt about not being there all the time for his kids, and they're celebrating him because he's their hero that's helping them. Uh, see how see how this triangle yeah. goes, right? Now yeah. the teenager ends up getting what's he or she wants, and nobody can figure out why mom is so ticked off. Mm-hmm. They just know she's a bit over the edge on that one. And if you think about it, that just reinforces the triangle. It says, okay, yeah, she's whacked out on this. Like, let's... So you push her further and dad and teen get yeah. closer because they're aligned on it. And she's actually fighting to have him back, husband. Oh, my dear. All. Like these, yeah, yeah. That's why these triangles are awesome, right? Now, if dad in that situation was going to side with mom and pull that leg of the triangle short, mm-hmm. he's going to have to be willing to experience the anger and possibly the rejection of the teenager, the teenage child. So that's not going to feel good either. No. But mom is feeling threatened about the marriage because she's competing with someone for her husband. So what does she do? She attacks the husband because she's angry at him for rejecting her. And she makes that leg of the triangle longer. Like these things are, they're wicked. Wicked business. They happen all the time. Even healthy marriages and relationships have triangles. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So we have a whole episode on triangles. It's number 26, one of our earlier episodes. Check it out. Also revisit our second episode, number two. And you can get these, by the way, at oif.link slash 26 and oif.link slash 2. The second episode was, when did you divorce your spouse and marry the kids? And both speak to this issue in a little more detail. But but here's what you need to do with regards to these triangles. We need to detriangulate. And it's going to upset the kids. So they may be angry at us. They may say some nasty things. But the research is very consistent that kids do best when mom and dad are taking care of their marriage, when the shortest leg of the triangle is between mom and dad. That's when kids do best. Okay. And that means that in this case, however many triangles you have going on, the shortest leg always has to be that one between you and your wife or you and your husband. You have to side with your spouse. And it's part of this idea of bringing this united front, right? Mm -hmm. So even if your spouse, and I will tell people this, even if your spouse is actually mishandling a situation, side with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And obviously that doesn't apply if there's abuse happening, like right. if there's a yes. safety issue or whatever, yes. I'm, I'm excluding all the extreme stuff here. Okay. Right. This is just normal day-to-day parenting, sort of the in the trenches work of raising kids, support your spouse all the time. Hmm. You guys need to know that you have each other's back, that you're a team and the kids cannot play you off each other. Mm-hmm. They have to know that you're knighted. Yeah, And so even if you don't agree on all the issues and hopefully with the flexible and flexible area, you can, you can work through some of those things. As far as the kids go, you can agree that, Hey, we're going to play a team front here. Okay. And I think you should do that. The research backs this up and your kids need to see you choosing each other over choosing to side with one of them against your spouse. What it does is it sets a boundary in your kids, but it also means a whole lot to your spouse. Yes. Right. Yeah. They just know you have that support. Yeah. Now, if your spouse has lost it and screwed up a parenting moment, and that part that goes sort of hand in hand with this is that, you know, yeah, you backed your spouse up even though you didn't like what was going on. But then remember that the offending parent has to be willing to go receive feedback and then go back to the child and apologize when necessary. So it doesn't mean that you guys have to end up being unreasonable or appearing flawless. I'm not calling for that. I'm just calling for you to be united together. Okay. And then if a repair is to be made, like your children are resilient, they'll be okay. You can come back to them later and say, hey, you know what? I didn't like myself the way I handled that. I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you or whatever. Yeah. But you still back each other up. That's good. So keep that triangle leg short between you and your spouse. Okay. Now, next part. Think about where and how you're having your arguments as a couple about parenting. Now, the challenge is when you're trying to raise a child and you have a disagreement about how that's happening in the moment, 
there's usually three of you in one spot. Right. Yes. With a disagreement happening, right? Yep. So I have a study here from 2000. It looked at two samples of children, one just drawn from the community. It was 317 10 to 14 year olds. And the other was 145 kids, 10 to 12, from battered women's shelters. Okay. okay. And they wanted to ask how the kids were impacted by seeing their parents fight and have conflict over them. And this is obviously a more extreme situation. And I bring this up, though, because it's a common misconception that letting your kids see you fight is a good idea. That's becoming more and more common. Yeah. Yeah. If your kids do see you fight, the only thing that is a very good idea is for them to see you reconcile. Right. So while you may disagree, the continuous observation of parental conflict is not healthy. And in fact, Gritch at all this study, they found that children who believe that they are responsible for causing parental discord, especially when that discord leads to verbal or physical aggression, that those children may experience guilt, sadness, and diminished self-worth. Because what happens is these children feel responsible for the parental conflict. They can't stop it from occurring. And they often develop a sense of helplessness. And it just elicits other symptoms of internalizing problems. Like they're really taking this on themselves, that it's their fault. Because their parents are fighting about like Parenting. raising the kid. Yes, but the uh, marriage problem, the kid takes responsibility for the marriage problem that's in there. Okay. So what they observed is that when kids know the fight is about them, they try to get in there and help solve it. And this leads to mm. carry them carrying far more responsibility than what they're developmentally capable of. It leads to a lot of self-blame. Because these kids take responsibility for their parents' conflict, and that's not a good thing. No. Hmm. So this kind of goes with our previous points, right? So the first thing here is to back each other up in the moment. Yeah. Like be on the same side when you're disagreeing with a child, support your spouse or be supported by your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. The second step is, you know, choose to have that disagreement later in private and do it in a way, do that disagreement or have that conflict in a way that doesn't make your spouse or your children feel threatened about the security of the marriage bond. Yeah. Okay. And again, you're doing that with a goal to repair between you. Right. And then you can go back to the kid and repair if needed too. Yes. Okay. Or, or or actually, you know, deliver the discipline that the child needs. United. Right. That you're both supported on, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So. So that could look like, like, yes, you did wrong here mm -hmm. and... You need to be disciplined. Sorry, is you the kid or are you the spouse? You the kid. Yeah. And we are going to discuss what the discipline should be. Yeah. And then, because you know you're going to have a fight about it, yeah. or you might not agree with it. Yeah, often folks have different standards of or ways of disciplining, right? Yeah. And you, then go and discuss that, figure it out, and then come back to the kid as a team and say, yeah. this is what your discipline is. Yeah. Even if one of you just comes back, you come back and say, mom and dad have decided. Right. Yeah. Yada, yada, right? Okay. Okay. All good. I think so. So think about where and how you're having your arguments. Now, this just segues to our final point, which is to work on your marriage. So remember the title of our episode. It's about, are you fighting about the kids? Right. Speaking of fighting. Yeah. We have like a whole series on fighting. Yeah. Episodes 32 to 35. You can start the first one at oif.link slash 32. Thanks, babe. No problem. So here's the deal in marriages that are fighting about kids. Yeah. Most likely and most often the kids aren't the problem the marriage is struggling. Really? Yeah. Hmm. If you can take care of your marriage, then either the kids will self-regulate, like they'll sort themselves out. Yeah. Or if they don't sort themselves out, you'll at least be a more successful parenting team because you've taken care of the core relationship in the family structure, which is the marriage relationship. Oh. So if your kids are fighting a lot, the couple may have actually bought into this being the family issue that there's 
fighting about the kids because it's easier to fight about kids than to think that there's something between us and really get at those deeper, mm. more sensitive personal issues. It's kind mm-hmm. of, we've, mm-hmm. we've pointed out there. Right. Rather than look inside and deal with our own yeah. baggage. Yes. Huh. But I want to call on you to work on your marriage because the more effectively you're able to relate to your spouse, the more capable you'll be as a parent. Interesting. And this was proven out by different studies, but one study in 2011 by, I can't pronounce the names. They looked at a more extreme situation than most of us face, okay? So they looked at high-risk fathers, either high-risk dropouts or diagnosed with a mental illness. But what they did is they took these fathers and they taught them relational competence. In other words, the ability to relate effectively to their wives or even their ex-wives. And Mm -hmm. as they taught them the skill of being able to relate to their spouse or ex-spouse, they became more capable fathers. Really? Yes. They could actually see that and measure it. Okay. So if the real issue is your marriage, and I think since you're listening to our podcast, you already know it is, then really focus on that for a period of time. And because couples often come in with, you know, it's really not going well with the kids. We're talking about the kids and da, da, da. And, and really it's the marriage that where the problems lie. Hmm. And what I will often say is, you know, for six months, just limp through the parenting, just do your best, but let's work on your marriage. Let's really take care of that first yeah. and get this solid core back in place. Because what I see when, mm. I'm, when I'm counseling couples with kids is that once their marriage is stabilized, the parents are then able to go back to some of the long-term outstanding things they've never solved and they figure out how to work their way through them, like the flexible and flexible areas. Yeah, yeah. You can't have that discussion reasonably if your marriage is not already in a place to have a reasonable right. discussion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where really taking care of the marriage helps bring better parenting to the children. Because they can discuss those parenting issues that they're struggling with. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. But these things don't really happen until the marriage calms down and the couple's connecting and they're learning to relate to each other again. Hmm. Then they can start to do this other work. Right? So that that comes back to communication. So the better you are communicating with each other, the less conflict you'll have in parenting or even co-parenting relationships. And at the end of the day, these are issues that you'll need to talk through. And so once again, you know, it is this communication thing. Yeah. And the study here I'm referring to, Verlinda, just in, in passing as I close off, it showed that when the communication was poorer, there was more triangulating going on. There was more forming of alliances with children. And this increased stress as a result. Wow. So just working on these communicating issues and relating competently to your spouse mm-hmm. can help solve a lot of the child rearing challenges that you're facing, parenting oh. problems. Okay. You did talk about the kids self-regulating. When the parents, when the marriage fixes or... Yes. I can't even remember what you said. But like are kids acting out because they're trying to take the attention out of the marriage and so they're getting the attention yeah. on themselves? Are they? Okay. Yeah. Some, so there's, there's different things that happen. But one of the things that you do see happen is as a child, if I can get you guys fighting about me... Or at me or at me, then you're not fighting with each other. And I'm not as, it's less scary for you to be mad at me than for me to think about me losing one or both of you. Oh, okay. Okay. So when the marriage calms down, the kid has no reason to act out anymore Yeah. because they don't need to take the attention or the comp. Yeah. Attention to create safety. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That That's one situation that does happen. Okay. Can't happen. Okay. So that's uh, our thoughts on parenting as it relates to marriage. Now, most of our listeners are parents. And again, we'd love to hear back from you on this episode. Do you want us to stick to marriage stuff exclusively? Do you want us to throw in a bit of parenting stuff now and again? I don't know. 
Do you want Verlinda to start a whole new parenting podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let us know. We'd love to hear back from you. Unless you think that, then we don't want to hear back from you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need more work right now. No, we seriously, we'd love to hear from you and, uh, you know, just tell us your thoughts. More parenting, no parenting, whatever. Yeah. Let's do our iTunes review. Alrighty. I like doing these. This one says, encouragement and help to any marriage. Five stars by Sticks 80 who says, I have been listening to this podcast since it first began. Each episode has been helpful to me as a married woman who still has much to learn after 13 plus years of marriage. I enjoy the humor and insight the research brings and have both laughed and cried. And I have learned a thing or two. The variety of subjects covered here are guaranteed to speak to all kinds of marriages, not just troubled marriages, but even ones that are happy and healthy. I would highly recommend this to anyone. So thanks for being so loyal and sticking with us for that long. That is awesome. And thanks for leaving us a review in iTunes. It's really not easy to do that. iTunes has not made that easy. See, you're like the tech person. So I don't even think about iTunes. It's it's hard. But for all of you that get out there and like click five times till you finally get to a spot where you can type that in, we appreciate that. Yeah. And we want to ask you to keep doing that because it's encouraging to us, honestly, but yeah. it also raises our visibility of our podcast in iTunes, which means more people are going to land on it. We're going to be able right. to help more marriages. So that's one way that, that you can help us to help marriages. Another way that you can help us help marriages is also through our crowdfunding campaign. We want to reach 5,000 marriages a week through this podcast, and we can't do that without your help. And for even $5 a month, you can help us move towards making that a reality. So to do that, please go to oif.link slash give to learn more about how this will help and how you can help. And once again, that URL is oif.link slash give. And we'd love to have you contribute. We'll definitely acknowledge your contribution as well. It's all listed out. All the information is on that page. So that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 101. So if you want to read this, you want to share it, you want to save it, it's all there at that URL. Just pull that up in your web browser, oif.link slash 101. So please help us out by leaving an iTunes review. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.